So I thank you all for coming, and Heather, and we'll welcome you again to this microphone. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Before I forget, too, thank you, everyone here. This is a, is a wonderful uh, gathering. So are there any questions, comments? We have, we've been having just a great discussion at our table here. I guess just to get the conversation started, my name is Bob Campbell. Thank you for your presentation, and I know you could have gone on a lot longer, and there's a lot of things that we need to talk about. Uh, I have uh, just a couple of comments. First of all, uh, the designated assisted living model was one which was imported from the U.S., and all of the evidence that has surrounded that in terms of research uh, has pointed out that it doesn't result in better outcomes and it doesn't save money. So I think that's something that needs to be uh, mentioned. Uh, my concern is, and I've seen those organizational charts before, and I've looked at the breakdown of the charts as you go further into them, and you literally have to be a Philadelphia lawyer to even begin to under untangle how it's going to work. Mm -hmm. They talk about matrix reporting and so on. So I, I just think that that's a, a real concern. But my concern is around a couple of areas in particular, particularly public health, uh, in the broadest sense, uh, everything from uh, health inspection and so on and so forth through to uh, health promotion and population health, all of those areas, uh, there seems to be, they seems to be lost in the conversation and discussion about what's happening in healthcare. And secondly, uh, mental health. Uh, there's always a tendency for mental health which is one of the number one consumer of healthcare dollars, but it seems to get sloughed off uh, into that dark hole of acute care. So uh, I'd like you to comment on that. Um, just on the, starting with the mental health and reading the, the government's Vision 2020, I was quite concerned, and I'm curious, I haven't followed up to ask the Canadian Mental Health Association their view, but I'm quite concerned because the, the Vision 2020 actually uh, seems to be suggesting private psychiatric facilities. Um, you know, uh, we don't need uh, to be going down that route. Um, uh, public health generally, um, I mean, I think that there has been there has been some good things that happened uh, in with some of the uh, regionalization changes over the years. And I share your concern that what happens to public health. I have a concern, though, that we may be seeing some uh, really disastrous dismantling uh, and taking what is now in the in the in the public um, domain and putting it into private physician clinics, uh, whether that's the well baby uh, clinic and and uh, well baby visits and that kind of stuff and or follow up that you don't need to have your immunizations and stuff done at the community health center by nurses just book you know you do it through the the physician's office and i think that that's a problem we've already had started to have issues from my members perspective with uh the uh, home visits following birth and some suggestions that new moms don't need to have a home visit that they can uh, come to the the clinic which increasingly would, might well be in a private physician's clinic, but they don't need the, the nurse to come to their home. And I think that's a real problem because the nurse coming to the home is a whole lot different than the new mom getting all, you know, decked up and, and going to a clinic. 
you're not assessing a whole lot of environmental factors that may be really important in the uh, health and well-being and development of the child in that way, and it's it's being they're being cut back for for cost reasons, and I think that that is is uh, upstream stupidity uh, and 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 false economy. But yes, it is, and I mean that's why we need to have people, and it's great people here, always checking and questioning and demanding accountability of, of uh, government. I'm going to say it now because I don't want to. I don't want to forget to say it, but I I think it's really important, and I try not to mention the Minister of Health without mentioning the Premier, because Ron Leipert is appointed. He was appointed by Mr. Stelmack, and Mr. Stelmack, right after the election, said, you know, the third way, that dastardly thing that Ralph was suggesting, is DOA is dead. In fact, he appointed, uh, he has appointed Ron Leipert. He has certainly, if not, you know, he, I would have to say he's approved everything that Mr. Leipert has done as Minister of Health. So it's wrong to take a focus or a target on Ron Leipert without equally focusing on the Premier, or in fact more on the Premier, since it's his decision who who is in that uh, office, and every other MLA in the province. Right? Every Conservative MLA is either overtly or covertly, you know, complicit in changes that we see around us either by speaking in favor of or not speaking against. And, I, you know, we can't say, oh, let's just get rid of the Minister of Health. Getting rid of Ron Leipert uh, out of health is not going to change what I see as a very deep-seated and intentional set of changes that government wants brought down in this province. My name is Ed Bardock. I have a thank you for being so forthright in your speech, Heather. I have a question that doesn't affect all these young kids here today, but uh, my concern is about the uh, drug uh, charges that will be there, up to $7,000 a year for a poor old senior like me that has to go to the food bank for his meals uh, once a week. Would you comment on this, and particularly that level, uh, which to me is almost a means test? Yeah. Well, it is means testing. There's no way around it. What we're seeing is is means testing, and I su- suggest to you that if it's allowed and permitted uh, here, it's going to be uh, introduced in other aspects of our health system as well. Um, the the whole issue with the drugs and drugs are very expensive. Govern this government and governments across this country have refused for years to you know follow the advice of. Uh, Medicare advocates in terms of a national pharmacare program, right? We should have had a pharmacare program from the day we started Medicare. Actually, that was part of Tommy, Tommy Douglas's vision. Um, we, sh- we should have. We should have today. Uh, instead, what we're seeing with the the, medic- the uh, drug changes is further downloading um, and greasing or intending to line the pockets of certain interested groups, primarily, I would suggest, insurance companies. Because what's going to happen with the drug costs is people are going to be looking, if they don't already have, for 
uh, insurance against the cost and insurance drug costs. We are paying as much for drugs in this country as we spend in total on physicians. It's huge. Drug is drugs are, are a huge, and I'm not talking the street drugs. I'm talking the pharmaceuticals are a huge, huge problem. And uh, I suspect, uh, just as you know, we believe the uh, reason the Blue Cross premiums are going to double um, very shortly is because there is a need to make the Blue Cross on par with other private insurance, okay? Because the other private insurance companies don't have a real interest in coming into Alberta as long as the market is low and they're not going to make profits. So the answer isn't to see that as an Alberta advantage for our citizens, but see this as a lost opportunity for insurance companies. So the answer is to ratchet it up so Albertans pay more, so insurance companies stay happy. Uh, Heather, my name is Van Christou. Um, we chatted about this at the table a wee bit, but I'd, I'd like to, uh, to carry it on a little further. Uh, thank you very much, first of all, for bringing uh, a, a picture to us of the bureaucratic arrangement that's fa that faces us, which probably none of us will ever understand. But uh, the question that arises in, in my mind is that with all these, this bureaucratic tweaking, are we really getting anywhere? Or are we just getting deeper into the morass of not heading in the right direction? And what I mean is that, that uh, the medical profession, in my opinion, has dropped the ball in terms of pushing for preventive health measures in, the, in this country, in this province, in this city. Uh, we, we are not spending enough money teaching people how to look after themselves. And if, if people don't look after themselves, there'll never be enough money to treat all the disease that's going to be caused. And uh, the, my question to you is this. Do the nurses have any influence with the medical profession where they might be able to put some pressure on them to do a little more in the way of, of preventive uh, uh, research to begin with and, and preventive education in our, in our educational system? Um, a good question. I think directly uh, no is the answer, that we can't because the physicians, you, you are pretty uh, uh, cynical in terms of how many you think might support Medicare in the larger circle, and I hope you're wrong, but I don't think you are. Um, but getting, trying to get physicians uh, themselves to do it I, is not right. I think what we need to target is... is uh, is the education. We need institutions to uh, undertake more preventive type research versus looking at organizations such as the uh, Canadian Medical Association or, you know, the Alberta Medical Associations and those. I think that we need governments to make decisions in terms of real, again, upstream decision making and investment. Um, and you, what you're touching on, uh, a lot of it comes back to determinants of health, of course, which all, most fall outside of, of the Department of Health. So, you know, we're asking where we should, what we should be asking is a, a, an assurance by federal and provincial governments to take a more holistic approach to our health and 
you know, start the investment today that's going to pay off in 20 or 30 or 40 years. A lot of the problem we have, we face, is that um, that governments are, you know, four or five-year items in terms of individuals elected. And they, there's not going to be a, a plaque on a wall anywhere that says that this MLA 20 years ago, you know, supported uh, advanced research at the University of Lethbridge in, in prevention, and, or that we have, you know, and there's not going to be anybody saying we, we saved $500 million because we provided, you know, there was a political decision to provide housing and nutrition and, ed, you know, that the schools expanded their, their education uh, base, you know, to to include these kinds of things. That's a that's a real problem we have. But it, it has to be targeted at government, just in at a high level of government in terms of a real fundamental shift in how we teach our children and what we teach our children and what we teach what our children see in the world around them, including advertising. And we were talking a little bit about this, and there's going, there's going to be a court case uh, in April, and it's around direct-to-consumer advertising. Um, Medicare advocates, people concerned around pharmaceuticals costs in particular, are saying we don't need American-style drug advertising. We've got a drug problem as it is. The last thing we need is, you know, direct attempts to sell us more drugs uh, and consume more drugs, um, and that's the kind of, of decisions we need to say to government, we don't want you to, to allow that to happen because we don't want to pay for it 20 years from now. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way upstream kind of uh, investment that few governments are willing to consider. But that doesn't mean we stop saying they need to do it and asking them to do it. Yeah. Um, Austin Fennell, thank you very much for being here. And I think one of the things you do today is to contribute to public discussion and information about, uh, about medical care. Uh, and we're always aided by people who help the public to discuss and hear about this, and communication occurs. Mm -hmm. I would like to hear you address issues of the rising cost of medical care. Um, I'm, I'm having come back from British Columbia and listened to some friends talk out there about how difficult it is to get certain medical care and how complex it becomes and made me think in some respects that we were advantaged here. However, that's not essentially the issue. The issue is, is the rising cost of medical care. Now, where do you come in on this? Where do I come in on this? Well, there's going to be costs and there's going to be rises in costs. Um, what you don't do is do the yo-yo. Um, predictable, you know, funding uh, can allow developments and changes in a in a much more rational way. What we've done in this province is we've said, okay, we're going to throw a whole bunch of money at buildings. And we do that, and then we're going to throw a whole bunch of money at this, and then we're going to take all that money away. 21% reduction in the in the funding in the 90s. Um, there are going to be costs, but they're not out of control. Uh, and 
you know, I could give you some more charts and stuff of the provinces. Alberta spends the, the least of our gross domestic product on, on health care. Um, we are not uh, in this country, I think, in this country, I don't believe that we are overspending in terms of both our capacity to, you know, to uh, afford. Um, and if you look at our bang for the buck, even if our health care nationally is about 10% of GDP, that's 50% less than the Americans. With, And we don't have, you know, although they have different uh, population. They have 47 million uh, people without any health care coverage. We don't have 4 million, if you were to do sort of an equivalent. We don't have that happening in Canada. Um, the way, and what's really significant in terms of costs is that Alberta, or Canada and the U.S. were almost neck and neck in terms of costs until a very significant change, and that was when Canada veered off to Medicare. And that's because collectively we pay a little, all pay a little and through our, our taxes and all that, but we get a huge bang for our buck. And just, just economically, never mind all of the other advantages we get, one of which we talked about at our table, you know, all of the other advantages that we have in terms of people not having to face, uh, dis make decisions based on their ability to, to pay for somebody's surgery and that kind of stuff. But that was, and, we, and I'm suggesting that in this economic environment where resources, money is going to become more and more of an issue, what we do is we buy more Medicare, okay? We are getting advantage of bulk purchasing and sharing the risk across our whole population. And if we really wanted to do something for all of those people in Ontario and here who are no longer employed, we should look at expanding Medicare so that the dental costs, the drug costs, the long-term care costs are all under the umbrella, and we all share, and we can get a whole lot more without incurring the kind of costs that end up in the 15%. So, yes, costs are a factor, but we can control costs. Now is, in fact, the best time for this province to say, we're bringing in a comprehensive pharmacare program for everyone. You, get, you stop paying the premiums that I'm paying and my employer, who indirectly is the government in terms of health, stop paying all those premiums. Can you imagine if we took all of the premiums that people in this province are paying for their private dental and their private drug coverage and all of that and just took that and, and put that towards comprehensive pro uh, programs, I am convinced that we would have more than enough to cover every citizen of this province. So I'm saying costs are a problem, but in fact, I think we need to spend a little bit more to get a whole lot more for a whole lot more people. Uh, Dwayne Pendergast, uh, Heather. Uh, this pertains to the last question, too, uh, with respect to costs. We have a tremendous new educational and communication system put in place in the last 20 years called the Internet. I'm wondering if there's some way that we could download some of the 
health care to the patients themselves using that system and uh, let the medical professionals devote their time and the expense of their time to the really serious uh, medical problems. Well, and in terms of an earlier question, investing in some of that prevention kind of stuff that uh, we need. Um, there's no doubt that, that uh, technology is changing. Technology's already made significant changes to the healthcare system in a whole lot of ways, including, I suggest, patient practices. I think that patient individual citizens are uh, very likely now if they have a concern about something or they have a question about something or they're told something to try to validate or check it up or see what's on the Internet. Uh, and that's going to continue that, uh, in terms of, of changing um, not just changing how physicians practice, but how citizens interact with physicians, um, some of which may be uh, kind of uh, threatening to some, to some physicians. But I wanted to, to come back as well to the issue around costs and medical treatments, or, or, uh, because I think what we really need to be careful of is unnecessary costs in terms of unnecessary treatments unnecessary diagnostics um, and, uh, you know, allowing a system to develop where we pander to publicly educated physicians or allow or encourage or don't do something about publicly educated physicians utilizing their skills in totally unproductive ways. In fact, uh, some people like Wendy Armstrong would say not only might it be unnecessary and unproductive in terms of, of some uh, medical procedures that can be done, but they're actually very costly in terms of uh, complications and risks that then get borne by the, the public system. Uh, and what I'm saying is that we need to, you know, we don't need to have... Uh, a system where people demand and necessarily receive. Just because you go on the Internet and see that, you know, perhaps this, this, and this, and this test uh, could, be, could be done, I don't think we want a situation where that happens without a, an appropriate evaluation and discussion between the, uh, the patient and whether it's a physician or a nurse practitioner or whoever, right? Like, I think we have to be really cautious that we don't have unnecessary um, costs created in the system simply by pro um, protective practices. And I think some of that happens in the states where in, a, in an attempt to avoid lawsuits, uh, potential lawsuits, physicians will sometimes overpractice, right? Overpractice in terms of over ordering of diagnostics and stuff. And it's not met, done because there has been a, uh, you know, a, a logical uh, concrete assessment done, but it's done as a means of protecting. And so there's all kinds of stuff like, that we have to be wary of. Uh, not only that, but we also need to really look at the whole information side of this. And that's a big question I'm not going to try to get into. But the information side in terms of patient records and confidentiality, and that, that's a huge issue right now that the physicians are very concerned about. Um, and I would be too because I think it's setting up the way it's evolving in Alberta is it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to dovetail with the private market activities.
Yeah. And this will have to be our last question. I just wondered whether we can really say that the Medicare cost really is our fault. I remember when I was a young fella, the first time I ever heard, I read a little booklet, what cigarettes do to people. And recently in the paper we hear that thousands of people die, even in Canada, every year because of cigarette diseases. Another thing, I hate to do it, and yet we are killing over 100,000 babies in abortion every year. I, as a taxpayer, am paying for killing that baby. Am I right or am I wrong? Um, yes, you're probably right that you're, we are assuming costs. Um, I'm not sure that, that you can say that every termination is an unnecessary uh, event. But I think we need to be very careful about blaming uh, people. What I said earlier is what we've done with Medicare is we've, we've shared the risk. And what we need to look more towards is the promotion of, of good health and prevention, that kind of stuff we talked about earlier in terms of trying to, you know, control or minimize costs. But blaming the victim or blaming the person can quite quickly lead to, therefore, you should have to pay yourself. And if we're in a shared risk, you know, we don't need to, have to do that. We shouldn't be doing that. And you can't say that every single individual has total control over their, their health when, in fact, health is a reflection of a whole lot of de determinants besides the person's body and what they put into it in terms of smoking, right? I mean, there's a whole lot of, of things that, that result in, in costs. And you can't say that... Uh, everybody has total control. What we can do, again, is control our own behaviors, try to influence those around us, and demand that in a broader societal way, government invests in us all, not just for today, but the future, uh, in a more, you know, in more than a four or five year term. So, that's, I don't know if that answers your question, but I just, because a lot of the, the stuff around the Mazankowski uh, reports, uh, there is a lot of that kind of blame the victim mentality, make the, pace, make the individual more accountable for their, for their total costs, for their costs. And you just can't do that. I, we're far better. It's far less costly to, do, to spread the risk amongst the entire population. What do we do now? Who's your MLA? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, well, you don't if Okay, it's don't worry about that. What you can do now, what you can actually do right now is that I brought along with me um, it's called The Guardian. It's the latest Friends of Medicare uh, publication. Got some good information in it and it's got a petition. 
And the petition says, we the underside call on the assembly to urge the government to cease and desist from further dismantling our public health care structure. The government must, as soon as possible, fully disclose full details of its plan for the health system. The government must not undertake any new expansion of for-profit business delivery of health care services. The government must not close or diminish any public health care services. Before making any further changes to our health system, the government must undertake a full and open public discussion of health care policy and plans. You can sign that petition. You have to uh, go to the mic. One by one citizen, all the way up to change. Thank you very much, Heather, and thank you, everybody, for coming.